We are getting back into our sermon series called Choices, Decisions That Shape the Soul. It's a series that's rooted in the stories you find in First and Second Samuel. Um, and it seems like an eternity when we were in this uh, series. Actually, it was, it was back just prior to Thanksgiving. We stopped for a bit as we, were, uh, as we entered into Advent. Um, and, but now we're getting back into the series. Um, and just by way of reminder, as we've talked about these different choices, as we've looked at the stories, uh, we, we've been reminded of the choices that, that people made. People like Hannah, who, who, who was faced with this question, I mean, how, do you, how, how is it possible to trust God when you're in pain, when you're dealing with disappointment? It seems like God isn't coming through answering your prayers. Um, and some of you are, are there this morning where it's, it's the choice uh, to continue to come and to, and to trust God, even when, uh, even when it seems like things aren't going your way. That, that was the case for Hannah. And then uh, Susan Garlinger talked to us about the, the story in 1 Samuel where the people wanted their own king, like the, the other nations had kings. And, um, and how in that story, the, the choice of, of, of resolving, resolving to remove all idols from our lives uh, was something that flowed out of that particular story, as well as remembering. Uh, and sometimes remembering, uh, specifically remembering God's activity in the past in our lives and remembering uh, with sim- in symbolic ways. Uh, remember the Ebenezer stone that, that is set up. Um, and these, these, these symbolic ways we can remember, this is what God has done for us. And then also in, the, in that story, uh, to rethink, uh, to align our lives with uh, the ways of Jesus Christ. Uh, that was, uh, it was, it was choices. These choices do shape our souls. Uh, we also looked at a great start that King Saul had. Uh, you know, most people think of Saul as this, this guy who, uh, um, who does nothing right. He actually started out great. He, uh, he made the choice to overlook an offense early on in his, in his, uh, his kingship. Um, and, and then another time, he, he, he chose the right time to get angry and to, to get mad. And, and we talked about the choices we make in discerning when should we overlook offense and when should we be righteously angry. Uh, Brian Candelo talked to us about, and one of the stories about Saul, what a pragmatist he was. That he, he obeyed God when it made sense to him. But what do you do when God asks you to do something that doesn't make sense? And, uh, and, and Brian talked to us about that and making the choice to obey, even when it doesn't seem realistic to obey God. Uh, and then uh, Jennifer Roth talked to us about the classic battle, David and Goliath story, and how that, the, the, that our choices reflect what's happening in our hearts. You just think about the choices you're making in life, and that actually reflects the, 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 the cumulative, the accumulation of the choices for righteousness we make in our hearts. And we see David's heart. Uh, his heart is exposed in that, in that battle against Goliath. And then right before Thanksgiving, we, uh, we talked about envy and jealousy. Remember when, uh, when, when David and King Saul are coming back home and all the warriors are coming back home and it was the fanfare and the banners are snapping in the wind and a song breaks out. Uh, among the women who are welcoming the soldiers home. Uh, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. And it was at that moment that a small seed of envy and jealousy was planted in Saul's heart. And from that point on, Saul became, was slowly becoming a monster. And we talked about the choices that we have in life. And when we see others and we see the success of others uh, and, uh, and how the envy and jealousy can, can be a very destructive force in our life. And we, we talked about the choosing, choosing to mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. Uh, 
And so that, that, those are some of the stories, some of the choices that we have been talking about that, 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 that flow out of the stories as well as the choices that we make in our day-to-day lives that shape who we are, that shape our soul. And, and we're going to continue in that theme, looking at 1 Samuel chapter 25 this morning, um, a story from David's life uh, in the wilderness. And as you're making your way there, I think the story's on page, it's on page 475 in your pew Bible, so if you didn't happen to bring a Bible with you, you'll find that story there. The internet is a great source uh, for how to fix things, how to build things, and a great source for many services. And I, I found a, a service here that uh, is, it's, it's, well, it's not really all that surprising, but it is surprising. Uh, it's called Revenge at Its Best. And it relates to our topic this morning. Uh, these are direct words right from the, this website. It says, have you always wanted to tell someone something but didn't know how to do it? Well, this is the perfect place for you. Thepayback.com is your home for all of your revenge needs. So you never had a chance to get revenge on your ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend. Your current spouse lied to you when he said he would never cheat on you. Well, you know the saying. Don't get mad, get even. Get revenge on people who have done you wrong. We stand ready to help you get revenge and let those individuals know exactly what you think of them. Your identity is never divulged, dot, 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 capital letters, never, exclamation point. People send beautiful flower arrangements to loved ones to let them know how special they are. Well, we have a great idea. How about sending dead flower arrangements to someone to let them know how unspecial they are? How about sending a dead smelly fish or a box of melted chocolates as well? We understand that you may want to get your message across, so we have come up with letter packages that should quench your thirst to humiliate that person who just gets on your nerves. Whether it's an annoying coworker, a backstabbing friend, or that person with horrible bad breath that never stops babbling away, we have you covered. Amazing, isn't it? What's available to us? It actually speaks to uh, this, this unspoken sort of passion that rises up within us when someone hurts us. People frequent the website. There's a customer review. It says, just wanted to thank you guys for providing such great service. I wish I could have seen my ex's face when we got that box of dead roses. You guys really made my day. I'm glad I got even with that jerk. More people need to know about this service, so I'm telling my girlfriends because I'm pretty sure, that, sure they know some jerks too. Most guys are anyway. Very high pers- you know, esteem for the opposite sex there. People go to these websites because people want paybacks when they're hurt. And we even see this in, in world events this last week. A newspaper in, in France prints a cartoon of the, the, the Prophet Muhammad and, and, and Muslims are offended and terrorists strike back and 12 people's lives are killed. It's payback. And then there's payback to the payback. The, the newspaper prints that same cartoon. Now it's bold. It's on the front cover uh, of, of the a newspaper in France. And now the Middle East is in turmoil. And there's going to be payback to the payback to the payback. And it's just the pain is just multiplied. But we're such, we're, we would never send a dead fish. We would never send dead flowers or a, a box of melted chocolates. We're, we're much more refined than that. See, we just sort of turn down the emotional thermostat in the room and give the cold shoulder and just pay back with the silent treatment. 
Or at work, when the boss doesn't appreciate us, we, we, we stop trying hard, we stop giving 100%, and we just sort of just do what is needed and nothing more because we just weren't appreciated. We just weren't, we, our, our contribution wasn't, wasn't esteemed to the level that we felt that it should have been. Or it's, it's the whispering campaign. That person who everyone thinks is so wonderful hurt you, and so you do a grassroots revolution, sort of spreading the news little by little of just, just how unspecial that person is. We're, we're refined in our retaliation. We find ourselves caught up in the, the escalating spiral of retaliation and revenge. William Shakespeare said, if you cut me, will not, won't I bleed? If you tickle me, won't I laugh? If you poison me, won't I die? And if you hurt me, won't I take revenge? And many in our world today have embraced Shakespearean wisdom. Have made, they've, they've made Shakespeare their rabbi. Because we love paybacks. Because when someone hurts us, we want them not just to hurt to the level that we, we, we experience, but to perhaps even hurt just a little bit more. How, how do you not get caught up in all this? What do you, what do, you do when you have this sense, this, this rising, passionate, strong, lusty desire for revenge that rises up within you when someone hurts you? What do you do? How do you avoid of getting caught up in this escalating spiral of retaliation and revenge? How do you, how do you move from from? How do you not make Shakespeare your rabbi and make Jesus and walk in the ways of Jesus who said, love your enemies? How do you avoid all that? What do you do? And I believe the answer to that question is found here in this story in 1 Samuel chapter 25. How do you not give in to the desire? How do you not walk through that door of revenge and retaliate for a hurt that you've experienced and multiply the evil and the pain that's in our world? 1 Samuel chapter 25 is a story of three characters, David, Nabal, and Abigail. Let me just give you a quick little introduction to each one of them. David, we know David. He's the hero of heroes. He's the shepherd boy that was, that was chosen and anointed to be king. But he's been run out of the palace now, and now he's running around the wilderness. He has 600 misfit friends who are with him. And they're hiding in caves, and they're, they're running around one side of the mountain. As Saul and his army are on the other side of the mountain. He's in survival mode. And then, uh, and by, by the way, with David, as we get into the story, what, what's interesting about it is chapter 24, if, if you know the story, David, he's running around the wilderness, and, and Saul wants to kill him, and, and David has opportunities to have his revenge. Chapter 24, David is hiding in a cave with all his buddies, and Saul walks in there and bears it all. He's going to relieve himself in the cave. And David's men are saying, now's your moment. God has put your enemy into your hands. And David will not strike the Lord's anointed. Saul walks out. David shouts to him and holds up the piece of the robe and shows that he could have taken his life. And Saul responds and says, you're a better man than I am, for you have repaid me good for evil. Chapter 26, the other bookend to this story in chapter 25 is the story of David sneaking into Saul's camp while he's asleep, takes his spear and his water jug, and then once again shouts from the edge of the camp, and Saul discovers that here is a man who could have had his revenge, but he chooses not to. Yet in chapter 25, we have this 
story where, where David, he, he's had his enemies in life and he's conquered them all. Goliath, lions, bears, even Saul. But the fiercest enemy he will face will be himself, the man in the mirror, when it comes to retaliation and revenge. Chapter 25, it just like, seems like such an anomaly. But David is the first character in the story. Nabal is the second character in the story. Uh, the passage describes him, verse 3, describes him as crude and mean in all his dealings. Uh, verse 17 of chapter 25 says he's ill-tempered. No one can talk to him. His wife describes Nabal as wicked and an ill-tempered man. Don't pay attention to him. He is a fool. In fact, that is the meaning of his name. His name means fool. And it's really difficult to, to think that a mom would discover that she's pregnant, would go through nine months of pregnancy, and then after a child is born to say, I, I want to name him stupid. I want to name him fool. I want to name him ill-tempered. It's, it's a name that probably wasn't given to him at birth. It's, it's a name that he, he, it was sort of a nickname that was, like we don't know for sure, but it's likely a nickname that was given to him because it described him perfectly. David, the hero of heroes on the run, Nabal, the fool, and then you have Abigail. She's, uh, she's the wife of Nabal, and the scriptures do not hold back in describing who she is. Uh, Abigail, verse 3 is Abigail, was a sensible, was a sensible woman. Uh, some, some versions say she was a wise woman. She's full of wisdom and, and a beautiful woman. Again, other translations say that she was beautiful in form. She was a looker, probably a victim of an arranged marriage in that setting. See, wisdom, she probably didn't choose to be married to a fool. These are the three characters in our story. And again, the question is before us, what do you do when someone hurts you, when someone insults you to the level that you feel that strong, lusty, passionate desire for revenge and retaliation rising up within you? You want them paid them back. You want to send them a dead fish. You want them to hurt to the level that they have hurt you. What do you do? How do you keep from giving into that? And this story unfolds that answer to that question. So let's just enter into it because it begins uh, in, in, in verse, uh, end of verse 1. It talks about David moving to the wilderness of Maon. There was a wealthy man from Maon who's, who owned property near the town of Carmel. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and it was sheep shearing time. 3,000 sheep, 1,000 goats. It's sort of hard to make the, the currency transaction or the change there. That, he, he's a wealthy man. Uh, if you remember the story of Job, the book of Job, that Job was also a wealthy man, and there's close to that same level of, of of, of material uh, possessions that Nabal has com compared, to, compared to Job. He's a wealthy man. He doesn't have to get along with anyone. He, is, he doesn't need people skills. He just buys whatever he wants. And there's this wealthy man, and it's sheep shearing time. You need to know about sheep shearing time. It's late summer. It's a time of celebration. You've been working hard all year long. You've been watering. You've been caring for. You've been protecting sheep. And now comes the time when everyone reaps the, award, the rewards. It's, it's profit sharing time. It's Christmas bonus time when money is handed out. And, and it's a time of celebration. It's a time of parties. And everyone who's, who's, who's invested in caring for the sheep, in, in, invested in caring for the product, so to speak, is going to get a piece of the pie. They're, it's going to be shared with them. So it's a happy time. It, it's a great time. It's, it's a time when people are reaping the rewards of their hard work. 
This man's name was Nabal. His wife, Abigail, she was sensible and a beautiful woman, but Nabal, as a descendant of Caleb, was crude and mean in all his dealings. When David heard that Nabal was shearing his sheep, he sent 10 of his young men to Carmel with this message for, for Nabal. Uh, Peace and prosperity to you, your family, and everything you own. I am told that it is sheep shearing time, verse 7. While your shepherds stayed among us near Carmel, we never heard them uh, harm them, and nothing was ever stolen from them. Ask your own men, and they will tell you this is true. So would you be kind to us since we have come at a time of celebration? Please share any provisions you might have on hand with us and your friend, with your friend David. David's young men gave this message to Nabal in David's name, and they waited for reply. It's sheep shearing time. It's time for celebration. It's time to to, some profit sharing. And we we cared. No one was harmed by us. There's bandits in the area. We protected you. And I'm I'm not telling you how much to share with us. I'm not giving you a percentage of how much you should give to us. I'm just saying, hey... Uh, if, if there's any, any, any way you could be generous towards us, we would appreciate it. Nabal replies, verse 10, who is this fellow David? Nabal sneered to the young men. Who does this son of Jesse think he is? There are lots of servants these days who run away from their masters. Should I take my bread and my water and my meat that I've slaughtered for my shears and give it to a band of outlaws who come from who knows where? So David's young men returned and told him what Nabal had said. Who's this guy think he is? This fugitive from Saul's court? What am I supposed to am I supposed to help an outlaw? The news gets back to David. Look at David's reply in verse 13. Get your swords, was David's reply as he strapped on his own. Then 400 men started off with David and 200 remained behind to guard their equipment. Notice there's no pause here. God, what would you like me to do in this case when someone's insulted me? It's like, I'm strapping on my sword. I want 400 of you to strap on your swords as well. We're going to respond to this. This is wrong, and we're going to handle it now. 200 stay behind, just in case there's this flanking that's happening. It's going to you know, come behind us. That happened before in, in the story of Kayla. But we're, 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 going to, we're going to deal with this fool. Meanwhile, one of Nabal's servants, verse 14, went to Abigail and told her, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, but he screamed insults at them. These men have been very good to us, and we've never suffered any harm from them. Nothing was stolen from us the whole time they were with us. In fact, day and night, they were like a wall of protection to us and the sheep. You need to know this and figure out what to do, for there is going to be trouble for our master and his whole family. He is so ill-tempered that no one can, can even talk to him. David gets the news that Nabal the fool has insulted him, has mocked him. He's strapping his sword on. And again, isn't it interesting to note that in chapter 24, He could have slayed an enemy, Saul. Chapter 26, he could again have slayed that enemy, Saul, who was hunting him down like a wild animal. But here in the middle, sandwiched between these two stories of overlooking offenses, we have the story in chapter 25 where Nabal somehow gets past David's defenses and touches a button and just incenses him, and he just blows off steam like 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 a volcano. It's like Nabal 
touches a nerve in his life. I don't know, maybe it's this, maybe it's David's been overlooked all his life, David's been insulted all his life. You know, we see it in the story where Samuel's coming to anoint the next king. All the, the dad, Jesse, invites all the brothers in except David. And Samuel passes over all the boys and realizes that the one who he wants to anoint has not even been invited to the party. Uh, we, we see it again when David goes to the front lines, when Goliath is coming out and taunting Israel. His brothers look at him like, like he's a little runt, like he's a nuisance. What are you doing out here? You just want to see some bloodshed. You just want to see the battle. Maybe it's that continual belittling, demeaning, devaluing, the, the, the small little insults that over time are like this throbbing nerve that when you insult this guy, when you mock him, when you, when you ridicule him, it's, you, just, you just touch the button and he erupts and responds in a disproportionate way to a hurt. You, you and I do this too, right? It's that relative in your family around the Thanksgiving dinner table that just every year just sort of works past your defenses and just annoys you. It's that person at work that somehow just always pushes your button and you lose your cool. Could be one of your kids. There's just one out of the, the ones that you have that just, that just pushes your buttons and just gets you mad, more mad than the other. They're probably the one that's most like you. And whoever that person is, they just, they, they push a button and you're up. That's, that's what's going on here. David is about to erupt. The servant has told Abigail, Abigail is going to step in and rescue David from revenge. What do you do when you have that strong, passionate, lusty desire to pay back somebody, to send a dead fish? to send dead flowers, to make someone hurt at least to the level you've been hurt, if not a little bit more. Abigail, her response will help us answer that question. Abigail wasted no time. She quickly gathered 200 loaves of bread, two wineskins full of wine, five sheep that had been slaughtered, nearly a bushel of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins, and 200 fig cakes. She packed them on donkeys and said to her servants, go on ahead, I will follow you shortly. But she didn't tell her husband Nabal what she was doing. As she was riding her donkey into a mountain ravine, she saw David and his men coming toward her. David had just been saying, a lot of good it did to me to help this fellow. We protected his flocks in the wilderness, and nothing he owned was lost or stolen, but he has repaid me evil for good. May God strike me and kill me if even one man of his household is still alive tomorrow morning. I would call that angry. He, he's about to commit an atrocity. You can hear the passion. You can sense the desire for revenge. So what do you do in order to avoid stepping in to that temptation, to embracing the Shakespearean wisdom and not choose him to be a rabbi, but Jesus, and respond to evil with good? When Abigail, verse 23, when Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed low before him. She fell at his feet and said, I accept all blame in this matter, my Lord. Please listen to what I have to say. I know Nabal is a wicked and ill-tempered man. Please don't pay any attention to him. He is a fool, just as his name suggests. 
but I never even saw the young men you've sent. Here's the first thing you do when you feel that strong desire rising up within you for a payback. Consider the source. Consider the source. The guy's a jack wagon. The guy's a jerk. He's a fool. He's ill-tempered. Everyone knows this. David, do you, do you really want to become like Nabal? I mean, you've resisted revenge and retaliation your entire life. Do, do you really want to... I mean, consider the source, David. Do you want to sink to the level of the Nabals in your life? For David, again, his greatest problems in life, it's not the Saul's in our lives that give us the most trouble. It's the Nabal's. Consider the source, David. Abigail continues, continues, verse 26, Now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, since the Lord has kept you from murdering and taking vengeance into your own hands, let all your enemies and those who try to harm you be as cursed as Nabal is. And here is a present that I, your servant, have brought to you and your young men. Please forgive me if I have offended you in any way. The Lord will surely reward you with a lasting dynasty, for you are fighting the Lord's battles, and you have not done wrong throughout your entire life. Even when you are chased by those who seek to kill you, your life is safe in the care of the Lord your God, secure in his treasure pouch. But the lives of your enemies will disappear like stones shot from a sling. When the Lord has done all he promised and has made you leader of Israel, don't let this be a blemish on your record. Then your conscience won't have to bear the staggering burden of needless bloodshed and vengeance. David, consider the source. David, consider the future. David, you're going to have a lasting dynasty. David, you're going to be the leader of Israel. By the way, rabbis, uh, rabbis would, Jewish rabbis would say that she, they would add Abigail and, and call her one of the seven prophetesses of the Old Testament. You, you're going to be the leader of a dynasty. You're going to be the leader of Israel. And David, here's two things you need to consider. First is your reputation. Do you really want to have the reputation of someone that when, you, when, when you're insulted and mocked and ridiculed, do you really want the reputation of you to be that you just wipe people off the face of the planet? Is that how you want to be known? Consider the future, David. And consider your conscience. Do you really want in the future, do you want to put your head on the pillow at night and, and, and deal with the, the burden of, of taking people's lives needlessly, people who had nothing to do with Nabal's stupid decision? Do you really want that on your conscience? David, consider the source. David, consider the future. And can I just say to us today, that when people hurt us, in fact, when the people who are closest to us bring pain into our lives, that oftentimes we respond, we react, because, because the people closest to us know how to touch our buttons. They know how to hurt us. Consider the future of your marriage before you repay evil with evil. Do you really want your marriage to be defined by retaliation and revenge and infighting? Is that really what you want the future of that relationship to look like? Consider the relationships you have with your children. Parents, when your children hurt you through the decisions they make, when they hurt you and bring pain into your life, do you really want your future relationship with your kids to be defined by a moment of anger, retaliation, and revenge? Consider the future. 
And in this, these passages I've already read, it's not only consider the source, consider the future, it's consider the options. David, you're committed here. You've got 400 guys with their swords strapped on. You've been talking about wiping every one of these guys off. You've, had, you've, you've said, you know, may I die if I don't wipe them all out. I mean, you're, you're, you're in this. Option one, you can, you can keep going. You can commit this atrocity. Or option two, David, what you can do is you can leave this in God's hands. You, you can let God handle this whole issue for you. It's up to you. Now, can I just add, I believe that Abigail's words of wisdom here have credibility because she has lived this all her married life. She is a woman who knows and has experienced what she is talking about. David responds, verse 32, Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you to meet me today. Thank God for your good sense. Bless you for keeping me from murder and from carrying out vengeance with my own hands. For I swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, who has kept me from hurting you, that if you had not hurried out to meet me, not one of Nabal's men would still be alive tomorrow morning. Then David accepted her present and told her, Return home in peace. I have heard what, you're, what you said. We will not kill your husband. What do you do when that strong, passionate desire for payback, paybacks rises in your heart? How do you not give in to that temptation? What Abigail would say to us today, what the Spirit of God would say to us today is consider the source. Consider your destiny, the future. Consider the options. You, you could send the dead fish or you could just leave things in God's hands and let him be your avenger. The rest of the story as it plays out is that Abigail goes home and she doesn't tell Nabal that night you know, what happened because he's in a drunken stupor. They've been partying because it's, it's sheep shearing time. And he wakes up in the morning and she says, you know, tells him the story, the 400 guys come in and, and, and he has a stroke. Um, and he's immobile, and then 10 days later, he dies. And I have to confess, I kind of like the ending of that story. Um, and, and, and yet, that, and there's a part that I don't, and it, it's, it's this. I mean, when you put it in God's hands, rarely does, he, does, it, does it get resolved in 10 days. Oftentimes, oftentimes when we're hurt, and we, we trust God and we don't give in to revenge and retaliation. We put it in God's hands and it's 10 years. Or, or we never see the wrong made right. But we don't give in and multiply the evil and the pain. And, and in fact, as we put all, all, all those three, those three uh, statements from Abigail, consider the source, consider the future, and consider the options. The, these, this is a passive response to the pain in our lives, placing it in God's hands. When you get to the New Testament, it becomes, there's an active response when people hurt us. First Peter chapter three, verse nine, it, we're taken further in our response. It says this, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will bless you for it. 
Romans chapter 12, verses 17 through 21. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Now, some of us read that passage, we go, ha ha, there it is. There's the refined, sophisticated way to get our revenge. Someone hurts me, I'll just do something nice for them. I'll teach them. It's not really the spirit behind what Paul is saying, okay? It's, it's a common Middle Eastern metaphor. It actually has its roots in, in Egypt. It's a story of someone putting themselves under the fire here on earth in repentance. It's a walk of repentance it's coming under the fire now so that in the life after this one, they will not have to face the fire of judgment. It's to do good to someone, to be honorable to someone who has hurt you, to hopefully push them and help them see that they've behaved in a way that has brought pain to your life and that your honor and your honorable reaction would actually lead them down the path of repentance and they would come back and say, I was wrong, I hurt you, how do I make the wrong right? And what Jesus, our rabbi, would say to us is that when people do something evil to you, don't repay evil with evil, uh, repay evil with good. Love your enemies. When they tell you to carry their pack for a mile, go two miles. Turn the other cheek. It's this, this pattern of walking in the way of Jesus that, that, that when people hurt us, when you feel that strong, lusty desire to, to, to dive into retaliation and revenge, we place that hurt in the hands of our God and we actively choose to bless. That's what we do when we, we sense that rising desire for a payback. Now, here, here's what I'll do. I wanna, I wanna close this, and I wanna close this by doing this. I want you to think of someone from your past who has hurt you. I want you to think of a name. We all can do this. There's not a, we've all been touched by pain. And it comes through people a lot of times. I want you to think of a name of someone who's hurt you, someone who's caused pain in your life. Could be last week. It could be years ago. And here's, here's what I want you to do. And by the way, for some of you, this is way too early. You can't do this yet. Some of you need to do this now. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes, and just put your, your hands in front of you, palms up, Place that name in your hands. Now what I want you to do is take that name that's in your hands and imagine that the hands of your father, your good dad in heaven, his hands are below yours. And just turn your hands, palms facing down, and put that name in the hands of your father. Surrender the right to retaliate. And Lord, right now all over this room, people are surrendering their rights for retaliation and revenge. Now show us how to be blessers. Show us, Lord, how to repay evil with good.
as we surrender our lives to you.